This is Rena Kinsey, Executive Vice President of People and Culture at Advertising Week and Emerald. On today's podcast, we're speaking to Rebecca Coleman, CEO of We Are Social US and the Narrative Group. With over two decades in advertising, Rebecca is known for pioneering culture-driven campaigns such as McDonald's Famous Orders and Universal Pictures' record-breaking Minions, The Rise of Guru. Rebecca's innovative approach has formed key partnerships with global brands like YouTube, Adidas, and Barilla. Her expertise combines digital acumen with balanced creative enthusiasm, shaping real-time brand stories and defining the future of brand storytelling and digital marketing. Rebecca passionately advocates that the skills acquired through motherhood are essential tools for success in the workplace. And on today's episode, we'll dive into her perspective and uncover why she believes that incorporating invaluable skills into your professional narrative is pivotal for career advancement. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Rebecca, I want to get started on our questions, if you don't mind. The first one being, in your opinion, how can skills develop through motherhood, such as time management, multitasking, and of course, empathy, be assets in the workplace? This is definitely a topic that I like to talk about, and I have mother listed on my LinkedIn profile all the way at the top, right next to the name of the company I work at, because I think it's a really undervalued skill. I'm a working mom, and one of the things that I noticed very early on when my kids were in elementary school is that there were MBAs, PhDs, like mothers who had taken some time off, and they were running the school. Um, They were running the PTO, and they were raising money, organizing events, making the drop-off line happen so I could drop my kid off in the drop-off line and go to my place of work. And then when these same moms tried to get back into the business they had come from, they got a lot of feedback that they hadn't done anything for many years. And they had a really hard time breaking in. And I thought, this is such a shame because these moms have used so many of the skills we look for in employees for many, many years. The moms who you know helped make the school run, but also just moms in general, Um, who are, you know, negotiating with kids, figuring out all the different carpools, doing time management, etc. They are developing their skills, but a lot of workplaces don't recognize those skills as skills that would help or that have advanced a woman's ability to get things done or to be a part of an organization because they're not in a traditional job. And one of the other things I think is really interesting because I work in social media a lot of who we are marketing to are moms who make decisions in the household. And sometimes they have unique perspectives on how best to reach them or what things make them make the decisions they make. And that also could be of value to organizations. But instead, a lot of the moms in my circles and in my world were having a really hard time breaking in. And so I think It's a conversation that needs to be had about what it means um, for your career when you either take a break or just generally add mothering to the list of skills that you have. And you personally, have you encountered any challenges or biases related to being a working mother? I have actually. Our industry is dominated by women. So in advertising and marketing, there are actually more women than men in the industry. However, once you get to the C-suite level, the numbers flip. So the overall number of women in the industry is greater, yet 
as you advance in your career, you have fewer opportunities. And when I discuss this with men often in the industry, believe it or not, still, as of today, this calendar year, there are still men saying to me that the reason there are fewer women in the C-suite is because they've stopped to have a baby and it's put them behind. And we really need to change this narrative because my feeling is that women who have a baby, whether they stop working for four to six to 12 months to have the baby or leave for a little bit and come back, they're not ceasing to acquire skills when they're having a child. They're continually gaining skills. And this excuse for why women aren't in the C-suite is unacceptable to me and is something that is a bias that still exists today and is is still being bantered about today as a reason that uh, women are underrepresented in the C-suite. I totally agree with you. I mean, when I think of all the qualities that mothers have to have, such as, you know, problem solving, mothers become adept to problem solvers, finding creative solutions and solving everyday parenting challenges, etc. So that obviously translates very well into the workplace, regardless of your position. And then other things like organizational skills, we've seen that, you know, households don't really survive well without a mother being on top of their game with their scheduling, etc. So All of those things definitely transfer really well. And of course, things like stress management and conflict resolution. What are some other skills that you think mothers have outside of the ones that we've discussed that they should consider putting on their resume under their motherhood description? For me, it's been um, an interesting journey. So the beginning of parenting is a lot of physical parenting, buckling kids into car seats, putting them in the bath, um, really comforting them physically, holding them, nursing them. Um, And so in the beginning, parenting is very physical, but at some point, parenting really changes and it becomes more emotional And really, sometimes kids are bigger than you, and you you can't physically move them into a room or tell them what to do. You have to kind of negotiate with them or really have a thoughtful conversation. And then what eventually happens in the stage I met is you become the mom of teenagers. And, you know, you can make rules for teenagers, but also part of what happens when your kids move into those teen years is you become um, someone who's guiding them. You're guiding them into good decision-making. You're guiding them into how to be successful, and you're trying to impress upon them smart thinking and resiliency, and you want them to be best positioned to succeed. And you want to be firm about your parenting, but you also want to have a good relationship. And this has been a tremendous help for me in thinking about how I work with managing people. So if you think about managing people um, in the same way where you want them to succeed, you have their best interests in mind, but you have to figure out that individual person and what makes that individual person tick. And you have to figure out how to have a good relationship while you're doing it. And you have to be firm, but you also need to be thoughtful about how you interact with them. All of those skills are really helpful and translate very well. And I think even furthering that point is when you have two kids, you soon realize that one parenting skill that you have and works with one kid doesn't necessarily work with the second one. That's also analogous to managing people. Different people respond to feedback in various ways, are motivated by different things, and you have to figure and sort those things out. And 
the patience that you have with that is the most important part. And that is something, you know, I'm practicing as a parent all the time. You know, how can I make this person that lives with me feel supported, loved, cared for, and that I have their best interests in mind, but also guide them in the right direction, make sure that there's boundaries, really set them up for success. And these are all things that have have translated really well. And I think are things that I'm practicing every day and, you know, getting better at and and learning and valuable in both my home life and my work life. Thank you for sharing that. Do you think that being a mom has made you a more approachable and more empathetic leader in the workplace? For sure, 100%. And not only that, um, (laughs) it has helped me um, get a lot of cred for knowing what's up. So I (laughs) I think sometimes, especially in the industry I work in, We evolve uh, as our age evolves, as our experience evolves, and um, we don't have as much exposure to what's going on um, with younger generations. And it really has helped me bridge that gap as I've, you know, I'm Gen X, um, as I've moved up in my career. So too have my children moved into more interactive ages where I can kind of understand what's going on. And it's been really great for me because I can bubble up things that I know my kids are experiencing online and I can and bring those things up. And not only are they beneficial in helping me connect, but I also, you know, sometimes get some cred for knowing what's up. <laughs> I love that. What advice would you give to other mothers who are considering how to represent their motherhood experience on their resume? I have friends who are now looking for Um, a return to the workplace. They've been stay-at-home moms for almost a decade now, and they are uh, nervous. They feel like they don't have enough experience. They feel like they're not going to be qualified, even for like entry role levels. What would you say to them? How do we bring their confidence to actually say, okay, you do have the skills to get back into the workplace because of everything you've been doing at home? Okay, I'm going to answer this question in two parts. I'm going to start with how and why I put mothering on my resume and on my LinkedIn profile. To begin with, I was working with this organization called Hey Mama, um, which is a community for moms um, that are working and entrepreneurial. And they did a campaign a couple years ago about putting mothering on the resume. And that's when I first put it on. And part of the reason that that campaign existed and part of what we need to do is make sure that there are not just people who are trying to get back in the workforce putting it on, but showing that successful people are also moms. And that is also a part of what um, they do for work every day. Whether they go to an office, work from home, there is a portion of their day that is spent on that. And I think part of us who are already back in the workforce or never left need to support the moms who are looking to get back in by showing that this is not something to be hiding. It is not something that is insignificant, that it is a part of what makes us successful. And so I think those of us who are in the position to be able to celebrate this, to be able to say this is an important part of who we are in our work lives, I think that is something that we can do, um, those of us who have found our way back or stayed in it, that we can do to support people who are trying to get back in. But for those who, who did maybe take a break, and by break I mean the very hard work of mothering, but we're not actively day-to-day 
at a job, those people have to think about the skills that they've gained, you know, in mothering. So negotiation, time management, organization, maybe they participated in school fundraising, maybe they did event planning, etc. I really encourage these moms to represent that and how they talk about themselves, put it in their cover letter, formalize some of the things they may have done in their work, again, with their schools, with their preschools, with their kids. And um, that can show up on the resume. And then also, I mentioned earlier that I believe that moms are in a unique position, especially when it comes to marketing and media, to tell us what drives behavior. You know, say what you've kept up on, um, what your special skills are, areas where you can bring a thoughtful point of view, because as a mother, you've done research in those areas, you've been a consumer, you've spent time online and in social, those things can all be very valuable. Just as we ask our Gen Z employees, you know, what's happening in your generation and how can we take advantage of it? We can be doing the same thing with mothers. So there's a lot of opportunities for moms to represent the skills that they've gained in their position of being a mother, and they should be unafraid to do it because I think a lot of organizations, they have a hard time sort of understanding it, so they just don't think about it. But if we put it in front of people, we remind hiring managers of the skills that are acquired in mothering, we can really have them looked at in a, in a more positive light and, a, and in a more thoughtful way. Thank you for sharing that. My friends don't listen to me when I tell them, so I'm definitely going to ask them to listen to the podcast and hear it from a CEO, and maybe then they'll have the courage but I definitely appreciate the fact that you're recommending that they reach out to people who have been in the workplace and sort of reverse mentoring, as well as mentoring people, if you are in a position to do so, who may want to come back into the workplace. How can organizations better support and value the skills and experiences that mothers bring to the workplace? Is that something that we highlight in our interview, the way that we're interviewing people who may have that mother and their resume, the gap in their resume, quote unquote, prior to coming into the workplace, how can we better support the entire process of hiring them? So I think there are a few things. First of all, I think both sides are contributing to the view that it's not as significant as it really is. So I think um, both organizations aren't thinking of mothering as um, something that builds skills and also people like your friends who you mentioned before who may not think to put these skills on their resume when they do talk about it like in an interview they'll caveat it they'll say i know this sounds silly but i organize xyz in my mothering every day and i think we need to be bold and we need to own the fact that it is a lot of work and that there are skills and we don't need to caveat it we don't need to say it sounds silly. We can we can represent it and, and think of it as um, an actual skill that we've gained. We know it is in our heart of hearts, and I think it's something that we have to be more confident about. And then obviously organizations need to be more open to it. But I also think that there are some concrete ways that companies can be more supportive uh, of mothers. And one of them is all companies give out freelance work uh, or all companies in my industry are hiring freelancers for specific projects, um, for specific consultations to better understand behavior among certain consumers. And I think that's a great way for moms to get a foot in the door and start kind of getting back into the business. And I think that the propensity to hire young people newly out of school for freelance work is pretty common. And of course, young people need opportunities too. But I think thinking about mothers 
in this area of the business is a really good way to give people the experience and to also gain valuable insights. I think several companies have announced internships for moms who want to return to work. Uh, it's also not something that we regularly think of. Oh, I'm going to have a person with a child that is suddenly now going to be an intern. We think of interned as you know college students. That's an opportunity for people to kind of gain the skills, get some work experience, and and be able to kind of be up on the language of what's happening and be interacting in the workplace. We can carve out pieces of the business that make sense for someone who is maybe working from home, starting by working from home, um, give out projects and that kind of work where it's more self-guided and has, you know, sort of a beginning, middle and end for delivery, where we go out of our way to make sure that as an organization, we are contributing to the success of stay-at-home moms who want to get back in the workforce. Um, I think there's an opportunity there. And I also think if we are talking to moms who have a gap on their resume, instead of thinking of that gap as a deficit, we should give them an opportunity to say, hey, what do you think you did in that gap that could help contribute to our organization? And I think their answer might surprise you. Because during those times, often people develop skills, and they may be the skills I've been talking about this whole time, like... I said organization, negotiation, time management, but they may have, you know, picked up something during that time period that you just don't know about. And if you give the opportunity for them to characterize it, you may be surprised with what they answer and you may find that it can be contributory to your organization. You are the CEO of We Are Social US. What are some of the things that your company does to support women in the workplace, whether that is through schedules or the way that you hire, the way you think of your pitches, for example, the timing of everything? What are some of the ways you're looking at it? I think we talked about this when we first met. And, you know, the pandemic was very, very hard on parents, not just mothers, but parents as a whole. And many of us, you know, wound up at home with kids and we were trying to work from home and, uh, you know, have kids around all the time. And figure out how to balance those two things. But the pandemic also, for me personally, completely changed my life as a working mom. And the way it completely changed my life is that prior to pandemic, I would drop my kids off at school and I would go to the office and I would work at the office with very little interaction or engagement with my kids until I came home sometimes at seven, eight or nine o'clock at night. And that was sort of my option. Everybody went to the office and I wanted to be considered for promotions and to move up the ladder. And that was what I needed to do in order to succeed in that way. And the pandemic changed everything because it gave me an opportunity to have more interactions with my kids and to be able to be there for them when they get home from school. So despite the fact that I'm working, when they walk in the door, I'm in the house. And, you know, I think I gave you the example that I may have a 15-minute break in my day where I can take my daughter to get ice cream. And I think the ability to work from home and have um, some self-directed time has enabled people to see that you can be great at your job and also engage with your children. 
during the day and that those two things don't have to live as separately as they lived prior to the pandemic. So we shifted to be, you know, work from the office company to be a remote first environment. So we have one day a week where we're all in the office, um, but on the other days of the week, we are working from wherever, and that time can be self-directed. And that allows for us to have a little bit more flexibility. So just last week, I was on a conference call with a woman who works for me who has a toddler, and we were at the conference call. She was at the park, and she was, We, you know, we were discussing things that didn't require her to be in front of a computer. And she went to the park with her kid. He did come into the camera two or three times to ask her something. And rather than me thinking it was disruptive, I thought, oh, I'm getting to know this person as a parent. And I am getting to know what they care about, who they interact with, how they interact. And there was really no reason she couldn't take the call in that way. So listen, I know not everybody has that luxury. Not all companies have that kind of flexibility. Not all jobs are desk jobs. Some jobs, you know, you have to physically be there. But I think in our industry and in the space that we're in, our setup that exists today in a post-pandemic world does allow for a more flexible view of parenting and some more self-directed time you know, to be able to balance those two things together instead of having such a stiff division between when you're working and when you're with your family. I do recognize that sometimes that makes it feel like you're working endlessly. And that's one of those things we all need to work on, right? So just the same as your kids are in the middle of your work day, sometimes your work is in the middle of your kid time. So um, these are things we're always trying to balance. I love what you said about instead of thinking it as disruptive, her toddler coming into the call, you saw it as an opportunity to get to know her, to to see how she engages with somebody. That's a really nice mind shift to hear from a CEO. Did you always have that mindset or is that something that you learned throughout the pandemic or even throughout you know your experience as a mother? It's funny. It's definitely something that was an adjustment. I think that I had toddlers at a time when I didn't have the ability to have my toddler be in the middle of my phone call or I wasn't able to go to the park. And I think sometimes we want the world to look exactly like it did when we <laughs> when we experienced it. And I think again, you know, the pandemic was a struggle in a lot of ways, but one of the things that it did was it forced us to see the reality of what our lives look like. And, you know, we all saw people's dogs on their laps, kids coming through, spouses, doorbells ringing, and, you know, dropping off a package in the middle of a conversation. And, uh, you know, we, we had to adjust and it was, it was like a crash course in the idea that people have lives outside of work. And I think it's definitely uh, something that has been a mind shift for me, but I don't feel like it was a long mind shift over time. I feel like we got, like I said, a crash course in it. And we were able to see that people are still good at getting their jobs done despite the distractions. And we can be more flexible in the way that we view it. That said, just like I said at the very top of this conversation, understanding individuals' motivations, individual styles, um, how people 
best receive feedback. That's a lot about knowing who those people are and adjusting how you manage based on those people. And so seeing their lives more wholly, watching them interact, being reminded that they're also a parent and also juggling that part of life helps you develop that complete picture of an individual and keep that in mind when you are trying to be an empathetic leader. So I think that on the whole, this shift has enabled me to be a better leader because I can see all those things now that used to be hidden. And so the shifts that you've made weren't just for the pandemic. It seems like they were permanent shifts in the way that you think about work, the, the way that you think about flexibility in the workplace. And although most CEOs had to adjust during the pandemic, some of them might now come out of it expecting things to return the same way that they were pre-pandemic, which is that everybody's at their desk, everybody's in the office, or everybody's on the camera all the time, etc. What's one piece of advice you would want to give to them, assuming that you feel like they're missing out on something by thinking that way? Yeah, I mean, look, I think we are definitely at a crossroads of balancing a new generation coming into the workplace. So I think a new generation coming into the workplace are kids who were impacted by the pandemic, who were, you know, shuttered in their rooms when they were in, you know, at the end of high school or at the beginning of college, and they do not want to take their first job sitting at a desk uh, at home in their bedroom for five days a week. They want engagement. They want interaction. So this is, I think... Uh, We're at a crossroads of a new generation who has never really worked in an office, who wants some of those interactions. And I think what we're going to need to do is really balance what what do companies do to support this new generation of workforce who needs and is craving some of that interaction that maybe we're not getting as much when we're remote working, with the fact that remote working has enabled many people to find more balance in their lives, spend less time in the car commuting, be able to engage with their children, like I just said about me. So I think it really is a balance. And I think that the conversation needs to be had regularly. And I think we need to make sure that we're being thoughtful about why and how we're doing it. Because I think Some of the knee-jerk reactions out there are just to try to get things back to the way that they were instead of coming up with thoughtful compromises or initiatives that accomplish what we're trying to accomplish in business, but also don't take away from the um, strides we've made for families, happiness, and just overall ability to work in not as boxed in of a way. I agree with you. And I think if we don't do that, we're going to miss out on an important talent pool, whether that is in leadership positions or even in positions where we are promoting individual contributors to manager positions, which is obviously the first part in getting more women in the leadership position is to make sure that we're giving enough manager positions to women in the first place. So I think what you're saying, being flexible, being empathetic, and of course, having an open mind about what works for everybody is definitely very important if we want to keep women in the workplace. I think the great thing about parenting, um, which is, you know, something that we started talking about from the top is that if you talk to a parent about what you're trying to do and provide uh, context for why it may be important to be in the office one or two days a week for 
you know, like, let's say this new workforce that's coming in, they'll have ideas about how to support this generation of kids who are becoming young adults, who are looking for more contact, who are looking for camaraderie, um, they'll have ideas and they'll want to contribute. They're not going to just say, well, I want to work from home. They're going to want to problem solve and they may come up with a solution that you didn't think of. That's a great point. Keeping the conversation fluid is important because then you could essentially crowdsource for some of the solutions that you need for some of the things that you're facing in the workplace. Right. And the best part of that is that if you ask your managers to contribute to the decision you're making about that, then they will help support it when you put it in place. Absolutely. You already have advocates. I love that idea. Going back into mothers and putting things on the resume, for those who will hopefully listen to this and get inspired to start putting mothers on their resume. What are three things that you wish that they do immediately after this podcast so that they could be on the track that you envision them to be? First of all, not be afraid to represent themselves as a mother, because like I said, I do think that there are many skill sets that they have acquired as a mother that they should be proud to put there. The second thing is to do a bit of research and work in the area that they want to get into, um, make themselves knowledgeable. I think the great thing about where we're living today is that there are a lot of resources that are free out there. And so that you can do a deep dive. One of the most impressive things to me when I'm interviewing someone for a position is when someone is very knowledgeable about what we do as a company and the kind of work we've done. So anybody can do that, whether you've spent the last several years in the workforce or whether you spent the last several years parenting. And then I think lastly, really find a way to represent the skills that you've acquired and be unapologetic about representing those skills. Talk about those skills in a serious way and and do so confidently. Because I think that those are the things that someone can see in you and understand, um, you know, once you've characterized them in a way that shows a potential employer that there is value in how you spend your time. Thank you, Rebecca. And as we wrap up our conversation, can you share with us a success story or a particular accomplishment in your career that you attribute to, to the skills and insights you gained through motherhood? Yeah, I just want to say one thing that I think is absolutely hilarious that answers this question, but is so unexpected. And that is everyone talks about how deals get done on the golf course. This is something that is like the most common kind of male driven business concept, right? That that is a place it is, it's almost a joke at this point, but people are still doing it. But did you know that where CMOs hang out are places like preschools and club soccer and the dance studio, because I can tell you that I personally have done deals at all of those places and met CMOs who are still my clients today, because that's where we're hanging out. And I just think it is such a funny, unexpected place to be able to do business today. But that is what CMOs do that are women with the time in between. And, you know, if you're in those places and on those soccer field sidelines, you too can make the connections that were traditionally made on the golf course. 
And I am not alone in this. I have many friends who are senior level and they're inside their organizations at brands and at agencies who met their clients in those very settings that I just mentioned. I love that so much. So instead of the golf course, we'll see you on the soccer field then. That's right. Soccer moms finally bringing it home. I love it. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. 